Corinthians chapter 6 is where our message for the morning is coming from as we continue to address what God expects of the church in such a chaotic culture on this Sunday. We want to look specifically at God's expectations for you and I. Right there in that sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians, you will find God's word for God's people. Beginning at the 18th verse, the word of God declares, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You are not your own, you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is a word of the Lord for the people of God. Would you bow with me? Father, here we are. We sung your praises. We've glorified you, and we want to live lives that bring you glory. And as we direct our attention to your word, we do ask that your Holy Spirit would incline our hearts and our minds, that we might be receptive to the truth of your word, that we might live in such a way that you are glorified with every decision and every aspect of our lives. Help us that we might be a bright shining light in a dark world, that others might be able to see the truth of your gospel and how it transformed lives. Now speak to us, Holy Spirit, that we might continue to grow in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. Our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. It's everywhere, isn't it? Everywhere you turn. Everywhere you look, it's around society. I mean, you don't have to turn on the television long before you're inundated with pictures that draw your attention to how sex-saturated our society has become. From selling cars to selling appliances, it's everywhere. From billboards to the side of buses, you, you see it throughout your society to the degree that it almost has become normalized to see such sexual perversion propagated throughout our public arenas. It's there. It's even found its way in school books and textbooks and kids' cartoons. Everywhere you turn, it's there. Sex sales, they say. It's it's all around. But that doesn't start today. The perversion and propagation of sexuality didn't begin in this generation. In fact, long before, in the city of Corinth, it was just as, if not more, pervasive. For there, where saints of God gathered to worship, were around them statues and um, art pieces and behavior that was highly, highly sexual. Now, for those of you who have young children, uh, we did send out a notice, and so let's, here's my disclaimer, uh, just in case you didn't catch it. We're going to be talking about biblical sex today. 
uh, biblical sexuality. Y'all got quiet on me. Why are you quiet on me? It's in the Bible, so we got to talk about it. So here it is. For, for it, was, it was so pervasive in the culture that the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to pen this letter to the believers in Corinth. Notice what I'm saying, that the letter of 1 Corinthians was not penned to the culture. It was not penned to the world. It was not written for everyone. It was written for the church, for the believers of that day and the believers today. That the body of Christ was called to live with a certain expectation from God. Even in the midst of all that was happening, in the midst of all that they were surrounded by, in the midst of a decaying culture filled with decadence, the disciples of Christ were called to live a certain way. So the Holy Spirit prompts Paul to write this letter to the church at Corinth. And in the midst of this writing, he writes God's expectations, which began with saying, flee sexual immorality because every other sin a person commits is outside the body but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body begins there and it goes on as we read but that latter part is what I repeated to you in the 21st 20th verse where he says that you've been bought with a price he said you the church so glorify God in your bodies. But how do you do that? Those who are listening online, those who are listening in person, how do you do that? Oh, Dominic, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Go ahead and stand. He's back from basic training. Good to see you. I'm glad it was his commitment to come to worship right after basics are over, man. And he's an officer now, so congratulations. Congratulations to you. You're a man in uniform now. And the person that I'm talking about will continue to be even for you. And yet God has an expectation for you as a believer in each and every one of us. And that is we operate our lives in the same manner that he's called us to as, as it regards to biblical sexuality. Because he said in his word, God says in his word, the Holy Spirit has written here in the word of God that you are to live. You are to glorify God in your body despite what the culture seems to be. That you ought to represent Christ. That you ought to come correct in your Christianity. And if you need some help along the way, God has sent some holy people to come and help you out when you find yourself slipping. Thank you, Ricky. And they'll be there for you because if we are going to glorify God with our bodies in such a chaotic and corrupt culture, it's important that we depart from sexual immorality continually. Let me park for a moment here and just tell you that, that my goal in our message today, as prompted by the Spirit of God, is not to combat the culture. The culture, the, the, the sin of our culture is doing what a sinful culture does. It, it sins. It's not my, my, 
my goal to argue with what's happening that is pervasive in our nation. Because despite what is happening in our nation, God has called the people of God to a certain expectation. Yes, there is corruption in our nation, but there ought not be corruption in the church. There's corrupt behavior that is happening, and you see it on, on all levels. You see it with all, all the, the with, with adultery and with pornography. You see it with LGBTQ communities. You, you see it all over the place, and yet my goal is not to, to come against those, those individuals who are doing what sin leads them to do. It's to come and equip the saints of God to know the truth in spite of the culture that surrounds us. Because sin distorts the truth. Sin destroys, but God delivers. And no matter what you're going through and what your struggles may be, and if you are struggling sexually, I want you to hear me very clearly that God has the ability to deliver you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're faced with, God loves you. Did you catch that? God loves you. And God loves you so much that he's given his word that you might understand his expectations for you. And through the Holy Spirit's guidance, you can live according to his word. But saints of God, if we're going to glorify God with our bodies in the midst of everything that is happening, it is important that you and I, that we depart from sexual immorality continually. Note, the text is not written to the world, it's written to the church, and he says, flee immorality. Somebody say flee. Yeah, the word there, flee, means to continually depart from. It's not just a one-time thing. It's to continue to depart from, because I want you to recognize something. Um, sexuality is not going away. It was there in Corinth. It is there in our context today. And since it's not going away, it's important that we recognize that. Sexual immorality is, is sexual activity outside of the confines of biblical prescription for marriage, that sex is a gift from God for married people. I thought all the married folk would have said amen right there. I don't, I don't, know. I don't know how else to put that, Thaddeus. I don't know how else to put that, but, but that's what it is. It, it's a gift from God. Don't miss this, that sex is a gift from God for married people. Therefore, sex outside of biblical marriage is sin. I want to go ahead and make this plain for you. No matter what labels you put on it, if it is outside the confines of biblical marriage, it is sin. I'm not talking about what's accepted in our society. I'm not talking about what may be even legal on the federal levels. I'm talking about what God has prescribed for God's people, that we ought to live by God's word, that if it is outside of marriage, as God has defined it in Genesis. Okay, let me go there for a moment. Genesis chapter 1, just in case you don't know this, 27 through 28, the Bible declares, For God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Don't miss this. God created humanity. And when he created humanity, according to God's word, he created humanity male and female. There's no gender confusion as it relates to the word of God. It is very clear. If you can read it, it is right there that when God created us, he created us male and female. Now, I say that, and I do 
understand there are those who struggle in regards to how they see themselves sexually and how they identify. But let me speak to those who are already saved and under the lordship of Christ Jesus. God has already made it clear that anatomically he created us differently, and it doesn't matter what anybody's opinion is of it. God's word is always true. If you believe it or not, it is still true. God has made you a male or a female. And if there's confusion, at times there is confusion, and hear me well, we're not here to bash you. We serve a God who's able to deliver you. He's able to bring clarity to your world and to your life when you submit to him. This is how God has defined humanity, and this is how God defined marriage. Right there in Genesis, the second chapter, 24th verse, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife, don't miss that, married, wife, man and his wife were both naked and were, so I heard a married person say that, and unashamed. Yeah. <laughs> Marriage is a beautiful thing, y'all. I just got to tell you, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's God's gift to each and every one of us, not only for pro procreation, uh, but for companionship. This is what God has designed, and by God's design, the family continues to grow with a man and a woman who has given themselves in love to one another and committed that love before God. That is biblical marriage. And any sexual activity outside of biblical marriage is what? I'm glad you understand that. It's sin. So he tells the body of Christ, flee from that. Run from that. Um, you have to run from it. One, by recognizing that it is not going away. So in order to run from it, you got to run to God. Don't, don't think that you could just overcome this by yourself. No, the Bible says in James, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Because no matter how strong you think you are, you're not strong enough to tangle with the devil by yourself. I'm talking to somebody in here because you think you can do it all by yourself, but the reality is we need the Spirit of God in order for us to be obedient to the Word of God. You cannot be obedient to the Word of God outside of the Spirit of God empowering you to do what God has called you to do. So if we're going to depart from sexual immorality, we have to recognize it's not going away. We have to run to God, and we have to refocus. We have to refocus what we are concentrating on and seeing and redirect our gaze like a receiver going into the end zone from my favorite team later on today. Uh, the they're going, to, they're going to make their way in the end zone, but a receiver cannot run looking backwards at other things that's trying to distract them. No, you got to look forward. Like a runner going to the finish line, you have to look forward. Come here, saints of God, with all the distractions around our lives, with all how sex-saturated things are, it's important for us to keep our eyes on the prize, keep our eyes on Christ Jesus, keep our eyes on what he called us to do, and continue to move forward. This is how you flee it. This is how you depart it. But not only does he say depart from sexual immorality, it also goes on to tell us that sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So in 19th verse, he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you've received from God? You are not your own. Somebody go ahead and turn to somebody just for a moment and tell them, you are not your own. 
No, you've been purchased by the blood of Christ. You belong to God. And when you belong to God, you give your life to him and live for his honor and his glory. It goes on to say, in order for us to live our lives in a manner that glorifies God, we must discern God's presence and live sacrificially. We, we ought to discern God's presence. It's right there in the text. For it says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Which means then when you are a child of God, God takes up residence in your life. That your body becomes a holy temple of God. That God fills you, which means everywhere you go and everything you do, you're including God in it. And what you do with your body matters to God, and it should matter to you. Because your body is God's gift to you, and you honor him in the way that you use your body. I'm, I'm in the text, you all, because he says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that your body is sacred ground? Don't you know that when you are a child of God, he transforms you from a sinner to a saint and he sanctifies you and he says that you are special in the kingdom of God and you ought to behave your way as though you know that you are God's child. Go ahead and preach, Avery. I'm doing it all by myself. Here it is. You got to recognize who you are and whose you are so that you don't follow the dictates of a, 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 a society that is going in debauchery. No, you follow the dictates of a disciple that is led by the Spirit of God. You are God's child. You're filled with God's Spirit, and you ought to live your life according to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, not, not according to the guidance of your own passions. No, because promiscuity and pornography and adultery and immorality is always going to be there. So in order for you to overcome it, you got to pray prior to getting into it. Amen. I hope you caught that. That you have to maintain an active prayer life. Listen, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he comes to do. He comes in the guise of perversion, and he perverts all things that are according to God. He's coming, and guess what? If you are a child of God, he's coming after you. Amen. But you don't have to fear because you have the Holy Spirit with you. But in order to activate the power that the Holy Spirit gives, you have to pray to God. Pray prior to getting into it. Uh, but also, you, you want to practice denying yourself of your passions. Uh, let, me, let me work for a moment here, because everyone uh, has, has passions. Everyone has temptations. Now, some of you looking at me like you don't have any, but I remember hearing an old preacher say it this way. He said, old rats like cheese, too. <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody has some struggles, and within you, if you're not careful, you'll be drawn away, as James says, by your own lust. In order to overcome that, in order to prepare for that, you have to pray and you have to practice denying your own passions. In other words, the discipline of fasting and prayer helps you to overcome the temptations that will come to you so that you can live your life and live and present your body glorified to God. That you have to practice bringing yourself under subjection. Right. And 
and partner purposely with the right people. That if you're going to overcome the temptations of our society, you got to make sure you're hanging around the right people. Go ahead and look who's sitting next to you. Just make sure you ask them, are you the right person? You need somebody who will hold you accountable, who will be there for you, who will tell you no even when you want to say yes. you got to learn how to hang on to the right people. So you discern God's presence and you live sacrificially. Romans, the sixth chapter, the twelfth verse says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal therefore, you brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't live like this world. Don't do what the world does, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by testing what is good and discerning what the will of God is for your life. In other words, our passions are present, but we have to remember that God's presence is greater than any of the passions that we may have in our lives. Okay, I, I knew I had to bring my own witness, so I went ahead and did that thing. Um, like David facing Goliath. David, Goliath was bigger than David. And of David's own strength, he could not accomplish anything against Goliath. But Dominic, look at the text, because the reality is that David, when he went against something greater than him, he went against it with a greater God than what he was faced with. And he said that I'm coming in the name of God. As a result of coming in the name of God, he defeated Goliath. But wait a minute, if you follow David's resume, you understand that there was another time that he was faced with a giant in the name of Bathsheba. But when he faced Bathsheba, he didn't come in the name of the Lord. And he fell into temptation. What am I telling you is that if you're not careful, one day you're going to be good with God. But if you're not careful, you can always slip and fall. you got to remain connected to God and let God lead every decision of your life. How we do that, Shannon, we discern God's presence, and we live sacrificially. But thirdly, if we are going to understand God's expectation for biblical sexuality, we understand that we get our cues from God, from God's Word. We follow God's Word, which tells us that we are to flee sexual immorality, which tells us that we are the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. But it also tells us, later on in that same text, verse 20, he says, for you were bought with a price. You were. Right before that, he says, you are not your own, for you were brought with a price. So glorify God in your bodies. He says, you're bought with a price. That God loved humanity so much that he came in the person of Jesus Christ to save humanity from the bondage of sinfulness. You were bought with a price. That he came and he gave his life, shed his blood on Calvary's cross because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. You were bought with a price. He gave his body to be whipped and brutalized so that you and I might be healed from our infirmities. You were bought with a price. 
He gave his all on Calvary's cross. When everybody rejected him, he still gave all for you and I. You were bought with a price. For God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrated his commitment toward you. Now he's calling you as the body of Christ to demonstrate your commitment toward him. And the way you do that is by demonstrating your commitment by glorifying God with your body. Your body is a gift that God has given you. Satan wants to destroy that. God has given you value. Satan wants to take that away. Lust will cause you to do some things in life that will lead you to, ha to, have to, to have to deal with the consequences for the rest of your life. Be careful how you use your, your body. Young people, I want you to understand this because God has something in store. He says that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a, a holy nation. He's chosen you, not for you to go down the road of the world, but rather for you to shine your light everywhere you go as his child because God wants to use you. You got to glorify God with your body. But, saints, but brothers and sisters, saints of God, parents, let me tell you, as you're serving as an example to young people, don't just serve as an example in word, but also in deed. You too have to glorify God with your, with your body. How do you do that? You demonstrate your commitment to God in all that you do. And you make your body listen to you. You make your mission greater than any um, heated moment. And you make your boundaries work so that you will not have to fall to temptation, that you set the right boundaries. One, you have to be honest with yourself. Somebody say, be honest with yourself. You have weaknesses. You have temptations. And you have to set up boundaries against those temptations. Having accountability with others to come alongside to help you out in your time of need, and you ought to listen to the Word of God, that you're more committed to God than to your own fleshly desires. And hear me, it's all over the place. Sin is pervasive. Sexuality is normalized in our society. But we serve a God who is able to lift you from the culture of sin and bring you into a culture of Christ. That he's able to lift you from the, the, the destruction that sin causes and give you a brand new life. It doesn't matter what you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've been involved in. I want you to hear me that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Yes. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new when you come to him. And I don't know who I'm speaking to right now because you might have been caught up in that chaotic culture where Satan has been trying to steal your identity and steal your joy and, and trying to keep you in a place of confusion. But we serve a God who brings clarity. Clarity comes from the word of God. And we just submit your life to the lordship of Christ. God brings clarity in your life. He brings you the power that you need from the Holy Spirit to live a life that he is calling you to live. In fact, I invite you to stand all over this building because there, has been, there have been those who have been challenged. You've been challenged in this society and you've been wondering about how is it that you're going to make it. Well, I want to tell you by the Holy Spirit, you are able to depart sinful immorality, that you're able to discern the presence of God in your life, and you're able to demonstrate a commitment by giving God every part of your life. And I want to invite you to do that right now. No matter what's going on in life, God is here for you. The Bible says that he came, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more 
abundantly. Listen, there's so many who are depressed and feeling a sense of rejection and are overwhelmed by pressures that you feel inside and you, you cannot make sense of. And we understand that, but I also understand that there's a God who made you, so he knows you. He knows the struggles that you're going through. And he did not intend for you to go through anything by yourself, but rather that you'd come to him. Submit your life to him. And I want to invite you to do just that. That no matter what your struggle has been, that you come and you say yes to Jesus Christ. As our prayer partners take their place all around the building, I invite you to take that step. To take a step of saying yes. To take a step outside of the darkness into the light. Because God has a plan and purpose for your life. He is allowed you to come in this very moment that you might hear the word of God and hear his expectations for you and that you would trust God at his word and you'd come to him. So I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus Christ. That's the first invitation I want to give you. That you say yes to Jesus Christ. That you say yes to no longer living your own way by your own desires but rather that you are looking to live on the Lordship of Christ to experience the abundant life that only comes from him. But you say yes to him. Second invitation is that if you've walked away from the church because someone offended you or because something happened, that you come back. The Bible says God loves the backslider, which means he loves you and invites you to come back. Come back home and make this church your church home where you can grow and be all that God has called you to be. If you accept Jesus Christ, accept Jesus Christ is your first invitation. Joining the church family is your second invitation. And if you're in need of prayer, no matter what the struggle is, we can pray to God. And when we submit our cares to God, he is faithful and just to lift those burdens. He is faithful and just to set us free when we trust in him. So I invite you to come and bring your prayer requests to him and trust that he will transform your life. As we sing together, would you come? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.